Ah, yes, friends, on a Friday, it's OGP, the one giant podcast where we're your hosts over here, Adam Armbrecht, just coming off an absolutely epic Brooklyn Nets performance over on the Locked On Nets podcast, taking down Philly, never hurts. And across the way, Andy Makowitz, healthy, wealthy, and wise, seasoned, generational ticket holder for the New York football giants. How are we, sir? You you know I had one too many Tecates last night when it's Damn. past when it's past lunchtime and I'm still feeling the effects of what I did yesterday, Adam. Gotta be honest with you, buddy. You gotta, you gotta be careful, man. You're not you listen, you're not you're not a rookie. You're no not a rookie chicken. unsigned free agent trying to pick up with a squad here. You got you got a family on the back end. You're trying to stay healthy. You're trying to you're trying to make it to your mid-30s and still be a pro. Oh, yeah, well, apparently I'm not. I, I need, but but it's good. I put in some work. Next week is the beginning of March Madness and St. Patrick's Day. So I'm just kind of prepping myself for what's to come, you know, on the 17th. I was confused. Yes, this is putting in reps for the ultimate goal here, which is surviving St. Patrick's Day, as we all should. You got it. You got to put in the reps ahead of a holiday like that as you get a little bit older. We are, of course, going to talk uh, free agency. We said on the last episode, wanted to dive in on just where the Giants can look to spend, how much is too much maybe to upgrade a position of need and then help balance out what you go into the draft looking to accomplish for the New York football Giants. But We've also had the discussions around Sterling Shepard and the speculation that the Giants and Joe Shane had said it's big time pay cut or straight release for you. Good sir. Sterling Shepard elects to go with the pay cut that will go into effect. And once it's all said and done, the Giants will have created 13 to 14 million dollars now in cap space as they approach free agency. We said it at the time. This this felt like the logical move for both sides. Yeah, it, it did, and, and it's twofold, Adam. One is Sterling Shepard still rehabbing from an injury, gets to stay in the building with the Giants, same training staff, get himself worked out and, and back into shape to be able to play. The, you know, the other piece of it for the Giants is they were going to, by outright releasing him, they would have saved uh, about $4.5 million against the cap. This is, you know, roughly they're saving about the same amount by yep. keeping Sterling Shepard in the building. But you end up keeping a player that you would have had to replace and spend money to replace anyway. So this is a win-win completely for the Giants and for Sterling Shepard. And just as a fan, as you mentioned before, he's our longest tenure Giant. It's nice to see him come back in the building. Hopefully, you know, he gets that strength back up on that on that terrible leg injury. And we can see the Sterling Shepard that we know is there. Well, listen, you know, uh, yeah, of course, that's all that I would love to see, right? We, we saw how he looked at the start of this past year. I know that he's 30. We know that, you know, he has these injuries history now and the likelihood of him sticking around the Giants franchise for years to come is, is a slim chance. And yet I, I think to me, it's like, to your point, you avoid any dead cap number. That's really important. But what's also nice now is when we talk about the draft and we'll get into some wide receiver options, but now I think you can start to look and say, even if we're in a new offensive system, having a guy like Sterling Shepard, who, who was coming out of college and still does have speed, at least pre-injury anyway, but he's a guy that can move the chains for you, a possession receiver that picks up the key first downs. Now I think you can say, well, maybe in one of those later round picks, we can think about a young guy that going into next season, we'd like to start to see to be a real contributor here. Maybe gives you something on special teams in the short term. And guess what? Sterling Shepard gets to be in the building and maybe mentor a young player. So I, everyone knows my affinity for Sterling Shepard. So I'm ecstatic that he's going to stay with the team. And to your point, everybody wins here. He gets to keep rehabbing, get himself healthy. And the Giants get to free up the cap room, not damage their long-term prospects and go into free agency with a little bit more money. When we then turn our attention over to free agency and where to spend Andy, 
we've had this conversation. We're going to focus on offensive line here uh, for Friday's episode. And then we'll, we'll do it again Monday and Tuesday leading into the start of free agency next week. But all this conversation around Mitch Trubisky and the price tag, 10 million, 12 million. Maybe you want to go with a, a Marcus Mariota, who knows? But if you're a Giants fan, if you are a Giants fan who still believes that Daniel Jones can be the franchise quarterback and you don't want to run the risk of ruffling feathers or, or bringing in someone who could take that job away from him, why not take a little flyer on Colin Kaepernick? He's out there. He's saying he still wants to play in the NFL. You could bring this guy in on a dirt cheap contract, cost you nothing, and he gets to come in and just be be a, a shoulder, an ear to bend for Daniel Jones. You know, okay, so so this is this is just so perfect for a Friday. It's just There's something no that you tee up for me that I get to knock out of the park. Baseball's back, so I give you a little home run reference. Oh, for, first thing, let me say, isn't it great when an agent says He's excited. He's in the best shape of his life. He's he's fully committed. Like, what else are they supposed to say? Is he supposed to be like, well, you know, honestly, he hasn't worked out in six months. He's get he's really trying to get his sea legs underneath him. Like, no, obviously they're going to say he's like the best shape of his life at thirty six years old. Whatever it's going to be, but I'll I'll just say this very simply: Tom Savage, Deshaun Kaiser, um, and Brock Osweiler. What do they have in common? Old. They, all three all of them, quarterbacks? all three of them have started games and thrown passes since Colin Kaepernick was in the NFL. So like, oh, can we just, can we like Deshaun Kaiser has literally thrown passes more recently than him. Like, think about that for a sure. second. So, I mean, come on, can we, can we just put, I mean, that I, it feels like that ship has sailed. People are saying, you know, Seattle has an opening. Wouldn't it be great to see him go there and perform Adam? I mean, is anyone really taking this seriously? I don't think so. I hope no one was taking me seriously when I brought it up. Oh, um, you tried, you tried, you tried to goat some people, you know, someone to take the bait, but I wouldn't do it, Adam. I would not do it. That could have been two minutes of absolute peril for OGP listeners. Um, no, listen, again, it's funny because what I think is interesting is he's 35 right now. Like you don't realize, and it's weird because we've gotten away from all of the issues, at least from in that sense of it, right? All of the reasons why he was blackballed out of the nfl and that he should not have been and he should have been given an opportunity and then getting into the debate about but what was his real talent level is he a guy that was worthy of being one of the best quarterbacks in the league and it was stripped away from him now we're just on the back end of it i think where it is if you legitimately want to come and play the last time the kaepernick uh scheduled those tr- tr- those workouts whether it was symbolic gestures by the nfl and then he switched locations and then there was the, the, the public debate about whether or not it was legitimate i think at that point or whatever Colin Kaepernick is now and the, the different philanthropic endeavors that he is invested in, which I think is amazing. I think that's where he is most invested. And things like this are probably nothing more than saying this keeps me and my name circulating. And that keeps the, the things that I'm doing now still in the public eye, which I think is fine. Like I, I, there's nothing wrong with it. Just don't anticipate me thinking that Colin Kaepernick at 35 years old being what five years, six years removed from the NFL now is going to step in onto a field. And even if you are in the best shape of your life, football shape is different than being in shape, right? It's just, it's, it's unfortunate. It's unfortunate that this is the way we're talking about him now. And also thanks, but no thanks. I mean, Adam, he last threw a pass in 2016. He was averaging 160, uh, 108. What did he complete it? The last pass? Well, uh, that's a great question. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. But, but what I, I can tell you is 
He was he was averaging 186 passing yards per game when he left, and something tells me that's probably not going to cut it in this day and age of the NFL. Now, the NFL has modernized, though, over the last several years. Those 186 yards, those are probably 195 to 213. Within, wait, with inflation. Yeah, yeah with, with inflation, inflation, right? It's like 268, maybe 270. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah. Respectable. He's a borderline 300-yard-per-game quarterback. Anyway, we like to have fun, kids. But the bottom line is um, we'll see how the quarterback spot plays out and whether or not the Giants are going to invest heavily at the QB position and what that means, as we discussed in recent episodes, as far as Daniel Jones. And over the weekend here, Mock Draft's going to be coming where uh, I take a look at a what I'll call the Joe Shane New York Football Giants shock the NFL draft with a couple of scenarios I want to play out. But for now... Knowing how much the New York football giants need to upgrade the offensive line, as Brian Dable referenced with the media the one day, Andrew Thomas, is there somebody else that I'm missing that plays on our offensive line? Because nobody else has a secured position or a secured roster spot for that matter. But in recent days, we'll start with one that has ties directly to Joe Shane and to Brian Dable. And that was John Feliciano, who was released by the Buffalo Bills. He's 33, 30 years old, excuse me, but he's coming off back-to-back seasons in 2019 and 2020 with PFF grades of 64 or better, played 900 and 500 snaps respectively in those years. This is a guy that isn't going to break the bank for you. You probably bring him in on a, you know, three or $4 million deal, Stop gap wise, do you think that this is, and, and by the way, 4 million may have been setting the bar a little bit too high on him. Do you think that this almost makes too much sense that the New York football giants would say, hey, you're a veteran, you know the system, let's get you in here so that we don't find ourselves asking the questions, Lemieux, Price, you know, Bredesen, if they, you know, all these guys, right? We don't want to, we don't want to think about every spot if we at least know we have someone who can play to start the year, depending on how the draft goes. So the simple thing for Giant fans to think about is not every single player that Giants are going to bring in is some young player that you plan on having around for the next seven or eight years in, in blue, right? Yep. Like you, you have to have a delicate balance of stop gaps, veterans, people that fulfill a need or plug a hole, you know, may just be for one season to maximum. I think, you know, Jonathan Feliciano is exactly that type of person. As you mentioned, Andrew Thomas is the only offensive lineman that I think we or Joe Shane and Brian Dable believe is is a, a starting caliber offensive lineman on this roster. You know, Matt Skura, we have Nick Gates who's coming off his terrible inju- in, injury. Matt Parrott was was injured at the end of the year. Yeah, like think about all these Shane Lemieux was hurt. How many of these other guys other than Andrew Thomas do you think are going to be vying in training camp for a starting role? Not that many. You can't you can't put every single draft pick onto the offensive line, even though most Giant fans would love that. I think you need to find and pick and choose your spots. If you could get a starting caliber guard for three million dollars and plug him into the line, and he's you know better than Bredesen or or Skura or my my all time favorite Will Hernandez, then that's what you have to do as a, as a, as as an organization. Not every single one is going to be a first round pick or a ten million dollar offensive lineman. A hundred percent. So, and I think, and the question now becomes is how many, so if we, if we think about Feliciano as being, this is a guy who could be a serviceable starter for you, could, you know, toe the line of the position. We say the PFF grades, we know he's not going to be perfect, but if you only have to spend 3 million on him, then you can also pick up another position on the offensive line and say, this could be a $3 million backup. Who's going to be a swing tackle. Who's going to be able to play on all three positions of the interior. If need is called upon. The other way to go here with this, and I want to get to the center position in a minute, 
But then if you think about going up the chain of command here, when we talk about free agency and who could be available for them, you do have to take a look at least then about where you could spend big. And it brings up the question, how much should the Giants be willing to spend in free agency on the offensive line? A player like Austin Corbett, who played for the championship Los Angeles Rams last year at guard, played to a 71 PFF grade in 2020, backed it up with a 68 this past season in 2021. Spot track has him projected for an $8.7 million per year contract at just 26 years old. He'll be 27 during the season plays at guard. If you're sitting here looking between these two options, do you look and say, well, if we can go and invest a four year contract in Corbett and that's not necessarily breaking the bank, right? When you talk under 10 million a year, would you rather go and look to someone you can rely on for the next three, four seasons, as opposed to a stopgap for a year or two, understanding that even if you do sign Feliciano, it won't necessarily remove, whether it's mid, later rounds, an offensive lineman from the draft board needs the Giants want to look at. I mean, as of right now, we have the least amount of money spent on offensive linemen in the entire NFL. Andrew Thomas is the only... Like, we haven't spent any money, and when we have spent it, it hasn't been very wise with Nate Solder being being the prime candidate that we made the highest paid tackle at one point. Adam, the, the fact that we need four different parts of our line, 80% of our offensive line still needs to be filled. Honestly, I'm, I'm totally fine with Corbett. I'm yeah. totally fine with Feliciano. We need to get capable people in here, and – you know, it takes two to tango. Not all of these players are going to want to come to the Giants and oh, do yes, a rebuild or do these. Like, you know, Corbett was with the Rams. He won a title. Like, oh, here, come come play for us. Maybe get a discount coming to the to the to the Giants. Like, why would he do that when he's living out in LA? So for me, it's it it, it also allows us to get a little bit more flexible when it comes to the draft. Because mm-hmm. as of right now, we have such a glaring hole across the offensive line that if we don't address it in the first two rounds. You feel like you know it's Groundhog Day, and we're going to be in this mess all over again. At least getting someone like Feliciano, who, by the way, won't count against the cap because he was cut before reaching free agency. There are certain things um, that that the Giants just have to do, and one of them is pay money for offensive linemen. It's simple, right? Uh, no, yes, a hundred percent. And the the curiosity is how many in free agency mean then taking if a Quonu fell to you at five, we take him there. And we can put up, push pause on the immediate other needs on the offensive line until mid rounds. And then think about next free agency and next year's draft class, right? If you feel like you sign two serviceable, maybe one quality starter and one serviceable stopgap player, spend $15 million combined on two positions and feel good about it. And, but what does it cost you? Can you go and replace the James Bradbury in free agency? If you move off of him and you want to have a veteran in Wink Martindale's system, or do you want to commit to taking Sauce Gardner at the top of the draft, right? Like all of these things have such the the pendulum of doing A produces B produces C. And as, as you've been saying over the past couple of weeks, every time you make a move like Sterling Shepard, keeping him on the roster means you don't open up another hole to fill at some point along the way or to whatever level of value we think Sterling Shepard brings. On the uh, financial side of it, though, the other curious question I have is we've talked about Linderbaum. They say he's a generational talent at the center position. But if you're the Giants or any team, are you are you going to invest a, a pick at five or at seven, a top 10 pick? Or would you be looking to trade out? I think the Giants can approach the top of the draft and say, if we trade back to the teens and 13 and Linderbaum is there. Feel really good about plugging him in. But two options on the free agent market, again, introduce this spectrum. 
The first of which I find interesting because it's Brian Allen who played for the Rams as well last year, played over 900 snaps at center, produced an 80 PFF grade, and yet on spot track was projected for just a 5.4 million annual contract. The first question is, can that financial number be believed before we get into another player older also on the market and where his financial number fits? Do you think that because basically Brian Allen does not have a long track record of success and he played along a very strong offensive line, obviously in LA. And this seems like the speculation would be, are you chicken or the egg here? Or is Brian Allen really good? Or was the offensive line around him really good that made him better? Not unlike, by the way, for the giants, right? Andrew Thomas is really good. It's just that the offensive line around him sucks. Well, and and that's the tough part, right? right? Like, is there, is there a big enough sample size on someone like him? Uh, you know, maybe I would potentially shy away from him just a little bit because of what you mentioned before. I, I'd probably lean more towards Feliciano just because, you know, the Joe Shane has familiarity. Dable has familiarity. If they want to bring him in and they're excited about him, Absolutely. Like that sounds great to me. And it seems like three million, three and a half million dollars is, is what people are talking about for him. If we could get a starting caliber guard for three million and it allows us to like rethink where we want to you know deploy these dollars to your point, maybe we can go out and get a, a, a left tackle in free agency as opposed to getting a Kwanu in, in the first round. Like I'm just really thinking about how flexible we can be because Adam, it's an absolute disaster when I keep thinking about Dave Gettleman. And, and last year, right around this time when they're like, Hey, you didn't draft an offensive lineman. What are you doing? And he's like, sounds like you guys don't really know what, what's going on with the offensive line. It's like, Oh really? By week one, we were like, yeah. Oh, all of us were right. I don't want to be in that situation again. Like how can we just get capable bodies in the room early so that we're not freaking out and making a knee jerk reaction in training camp or week one, when we realize we have a deficiency. Of course. Now, the interesting thing on on Brian Allen, I think, and to your point, uh, trying to just address an area of need, what you might like about it is if, if you're the Giants, if you're Joe Shane, you, and you think, hey, we watch the tape, we believe in this kid, he's quality. He's, again, 26, maybe 27 years old. And if the market is saying 5.4, and you mention as if every player is automatically saying, you know what, New York football Giants, that's where I want to be. If you have to spend a little more on a player like that, it's still okay to be spending $7 million a year on a center that you think is going to be there for the next four or five years. So you have some flexibility in terms of, you know, quote-unquote, overpaying on the market. The other piece, though, as we bring up a comparable uh, center on the market, or at least another option on the market that has ties to a current uh, New York football Giant coaching staff member, is system fit. While you may like some of these guys, Corbett or Allen, now Feliciano makes sense. He's a veteran, he's older, costs less, and comes from the same system you're going to be running. For the other two, though, coming off of the Rams, well, we think about Matthew Stafford. We think about the play style of that system. These aren't necessarily going to be scheme fits for the New York football giants. And it does make me think back to Will Hernandez. Now, he ultimately didn't seem to pan out. But at the time that you drafted him, you were thinking about having Eli Manning under center. So there's a different idea about what you want that player to accomplish in front of him versus once you draft Daniel Jones and you say, well, now we're going to use mobility and we want to get into RPOs. And Will Hernandez, again, was never very good, but Will Hernandez is going, ah, I'm kind of a big block. I'm like a, I'm like a lump of cheddar here. You just want to stick me in front of somebody and not ask me to do a lot. So all of a sudden you create conflicts within your system. And it brings me to the two-part question. We're talking about spending and then we're talking about scheme fit. Bradley Bozeman, who played for? Wink Martindale's former team, the Baltimore Ravens. And while on the opposite side of the football, you would argue 
that Wink Martindale could have some good insights on Bozeman to say, hey, listen, in practice, I threw a lot of things at him, and he was able to handle it. He was able to hold up and also anchor that offensive line from the center position. He has played two over the last three years, just 27 years old, up elevating over the last season, 63-64, and then this past year, a 73 PFF grade, 27 years old, coming into his prime, but earmarked for a $10 million a year annual salary, just shy, $9.9 million. I bring it up because, Andy, you are notoriously anti-center. It's you, that, that is the player that you don't think should exist. He is the, the running back of the offensive line in your eyes. Would you now scheme fit? You played in front of Lamar Jackson, mobile quarterback, guy that wants to move, get out on the edge, and also a center who played in front of many different running backs in the backfield due to injuries for the, for the Ravens this past season and still had success. Is that too high of a price tag at that position in free agency? Just first and foremost, is that too high? Uh, I mean, you saw Lindsey go to, you know, from the Packers to, to out West, I believe with the chargers for like 10 or 11 or $12 million annually. He's one of the best centers on the market. Um, I mean, that's it. To me, it's, it's too high. You know that how I feel about centers. I get a little concerned about, investing heavily in that position. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so 10 million would probably be a little too much for me. Um, but I mean, what are your thoughts? Would you, would you pony up the 10 million for a guy that's, you know, 70 pro football focus rating, good, not great type of talent. Like what, what, what's your line of demarcation in terms of like, are we going to pay up for a premium player or a premium need? Right. Well, yeah. And so to your point, because the way I look at it is it, it's kind of one of the, it's one way or the other. Are you going to go and sign a center in free agency? or are going to look to fill that need in the draft? And then you can debate about whether or not first round trade back Linderbaum. There's Fortner that is going in that third and fourth round area. There's Jurgensen who had a really good combine. And we you know talked about him a little bit. There are some talented players. But again, once you get to the draft, now you're trying to target guys and maybe beat out other teams for those selections. I think for me, knowing that money is go- is coming over the next two, you know, that next year, next two years, next three years for the New York Football Giants and for Joe Shane, all of a sudden, ten million dollars at the center position isn't going to look so bad if you surround him with a couple of young draft picks. So if you, you know, start to stagger this and say, well, in another year we're going to be talking about an extension for Andrew Thomas, and in four years we could be talking about a Quono needing his next deal, and maybe a mid round in three years an extension for a guard that we take. And then all of a sudden Bozeman comes off your, off your cap hit in four seasons and you go right back to the draft and you fill it in, right? You want to create this rolling effect to the positions that you fill and where you spend your money on the line. So in the short term, if I know that Bradley Bozeman can walk in day one, plug in, be the starter, I I feel like it's worth the investment. Now we'll get into other free agent position needs and whether or not I would spend on center before cornerback, before wide receiver, before edge rusher, linebacker, right? Like all those things play a role in this, but you can make the case for me that if you walk into free agency and you sign Bozeman to a four-year, $40 million deal done, now all of a sudden, all you would have to do within reason is at five or seven, take one more offensive lineman, ideally the tackles, obviously, and then you could stop there. For the entire remainder of this draft class, you wouldn't have to feel compelled to take another guard if you couldn't get a guy like Zion Johnson who's pushing into the first round or if one of these centers didn't work out. And I think that that frees you up in the middle rounds to say, 
interior linebackers, edge rushers, secondary help, and also wide receivers, right? You know, weapons. I think that it frees you up to have those opportunities. So maybe I, if you can't tell, maybe I think Bozeman or a viable center could be a real option the Giants should be targeting here in free agency. So there's something interesting also that we're, we haven't really spoken about. And that's because we have no other offensive linemen on the roster. We can't fill the rest of the offensive line with four draft picks. Right. Like we need some type of experience on the offensive line. And if you're saying we can get a, a, you know, a 27 year old guard or center that has experience, that's the type of player that we're going to need. You can't draft, you can't draft Iquanu and then trade back and draft Linderbaum and then draft another guard in the, in the third and round straight and just, up into the first round and get right. Zion Johnson. We did it. Three right. first rounders. Huzzah. And you're like, look, problem solved. And then Andrew Thomas is looking around. He's like, I'm the oldest one here. I'm 23 <laughs> years old. Like what's going on? The, the Giants have to bring in some veterans to be able to, you know, compliment Andrew Thomas and whomever they draft at some point, whether it's the first round or beyond. So for me, I think we do have to spend some free agent dollars. Really, the question is where, you know, mm-hmm. center does seem to make sense because you are probably going to have a new player, younger player on the left side, new young player on the right side. So having some continuity in the middle from a veteran leader may not be the worst thing. But again, you know, we have to spend money somewhere across the offensive line, whether it's guard or center. I'm kind of fine with either. I really just don't want to pay up for an offensive tackle. I'd rather use our draft capital in order yes. to be able to lock in the right tackle of our future. And you know what? That's a great place to close this out. I think that when you talk about obviously having a couple of years ago gotten Andrew Thomas and feel like you put one anchor onto this offensive line, that's the next step is put in the other anchor. We've heard Trevor Penning get mentioned there. We've heard the uh, young player out of uh, also out of Iowa there in the second into the third round, maybe being a viable tackle option. There are opportunities in this draft, let alone the other players at the top. I've said I'm not necessarily in on cross, but that's, you know, to, to be seen. You want to anchor the outside of your offensive line with guys you know that are going to be there for the for the decade, right? That's what you want to do, and then you can start to fill in those gaps. And I'll even put in another reason, and you can you could go guard here, obviously knowing that Nick Gates converted to center. But if you want a low level, keep it in the back of your mind that Nick Gates is trying to work back from injury, and the Giants maybe they'd say, hey, listen, we'll give you an opportunity here. He's played a tackle, he's played at guard. So if you go out and sign a veteran center. If Nick Gates works his way back, maybe he can be a serviceable backup on the interior of this offensive line, and you can look to fill those needs. But this way, you plug in something, you say, we're done here at center, one more tackle. And as we've said before, you you don't just walk in and go, we have studs at all five positions across the line. But when you say you have quality at one, three, and five, and you're looking to fill in two and four, that's how you create balance. And that's how some younger guys or veteran journeyman guards they can all of a sudden fill in and be quite serviceable for you because you have the higher level talent with experience in between them. So could be a viable option for them, man. I, I wouldn't be shocked if this is the way the Giants try to go. The question would become here is can Feliciano and a Bozeman, could that be accomplished in free agency where you say we have veteran experience with Feliciano, we'd be happy for him to be beat out and he can be our backup on the interior. And let's see where we go from there. Sub 15 million on two positions of need would be a real check mark here for Joe Shane. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Bottom line, Adam, is there is a lot to fix on this uh, offensive line. And at the end of the day, Joe Shane is going to have to use capital one way or another. Capital in high draft picks or capital in terms of cap space that the Giants just really don't have the luxury of having a lot of at the moment. Now, we know over the next 48 hours, as we talked about on the last show, 
we got some clarity on the Sterling Shepard piece. Sure. You know we're going to get some some clarity on the James Bradbury piece because his market's never going to be bigger than it is right before free agency, I think. And also the Blake Martinez piece, when he's done sending Instagram messages uh, out, out to the world, we're going to get some clarity on whether or not Blake Martinez plans on being back as well, you know, following the likes of what Sterling Shepard did. Yeah, and, and those those dominoes here ahead of free agency will make it more feasible for the Giants to target multiple experienced linemen or say let's pick our poison here get one look at linebacker because martinez is gone or look at cornerback because bradbury is no longer with us and we've taken a dead cap etc etc and we don't want to leave those positions as being high draft needs how do you feel about sauce gardner is he the guy that you can go take at seven and feel like boom we've locked in our next stud on the outside or would you rather save that for the second and third rounds we'll come back in as i said Going to run a mock draft scenario. The shock and awe factor is on full display here for this one, where maybe we read the tea leaves on the Giants' willingness to be in on a Mitch Trubisky at a higher price point. What can that tell us about how they feel about the quarterback position in the short and long term and how they might approach the draft? And then James Bradbury, who are the free agents on the cornerback market that the Giants can target? So this is the push and pull that the Giants have to operate with here. We'll see what other cuts come and how much cap space they have ahead of that March 16th free agency period, because that will, of course, some guys are going to wait and see how the market plays out. Other big names are going to be looking for the money. They're going to be looking to get it quick, and they're going to be looking to get to their new team. So if the Giants don't have the cash, they won't be able to play in those waters if they want to. Follow us over on YouTube, of course. Hit the like button, hit the subscribe button, get the podcast wherever you get those needs fulfilled. And as we head into the weekend, as Andy continues to build up those St. Patrick's Day reps, he wants, needs, and nay, demands the people know. As always, let's go Big Blue.